You're listening to the Kingdom Project Podcast. These are discussions on biblical theology and interpretation. The emphasis is on context and grace. The goal is to promote biblical literacy by displacing and debunking most modern interpretations. The challenge is to engage in healthy conversation that may stretch, but sharpen iron. This is The Kingdom Project, and I'm your host, Marcus Hall. Hey, welcome to a new episode. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, streaming. Thanks for subscribing and supporting Check us out on Facebook, see what's going on. We're on Instagram as well. And as you can tell by the title of this episode, um, maybe a little uh, a controversial topic. However, it needs to be addressed. And I, of course, am talking about suicide. Um, first off, suicide is a huge problem. Uh, especially in this country, and um, it, it pro- I would say it needs it deserves more attention. Um, there is obviously people that are lost, and with all sorts of other problems that are going on in their lives, um, they take that way out. I have myself um, have known many people who have taken their lives. So one of the questions that I receive a lot, um, it's one of the most um, asked questions I come come across, um, not just from this podcast, just in conversations, is um, what happens to a Christian if they commit suicide? Um, That being said... I want to point out something here that goes with this because a lot of people will say that suicide is the unforgivable sin, but the Bible doesn't say that. All right. Uh, Nowhere, (laughs) nowhere in there does it, does it say that now we'll get more into this, but the unforgivable sin is actually blasphemy against the Holy spirit. Okay. So that comes from Matthew 12. And uh, the parallels are Mark, Mark three, and then Luke twelve. All right. So in 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 Matthew twelve, you start at twenty two, and it says, "Then a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him to Jesus, and he healed him, so that that the man spoke and saw, and all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David?'" But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it's, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I can cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But 
if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks, speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. And may I note there that we are in the age to come. Okay, we are in that age now. Now, <clears throat> blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Here, obviously, within its context, Jesus is talking about blaming him and the work of the Holy Spirit that is empowered him, all right, also with God is in him too, all right, uh, the Godhead is in him bodily as he's uh, walking and doing ministry, and he's uh, doing miracles and signs and wonders, and there's a demon-oppressed man, he casts him out, Pharisees say, nope, it's Beelzebul, who is the prince of demons, this man cast out demons from that prince, all right, Jesus is like, no, and you know, Satan wants to put demons in people. I'm taking them out. Um, so um, then he says, uh, the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. That's the unforgivable sin. Now, here's the thing. Um, okay, a lot of people get scared about that. All right. There's this thought that, Maybe we've done something that or some things that are so wicked or sinful that are beyond God's forgiveness. All right. Uh, well, no, that that's that's obviously not true. Um, and that's also comes from an incorrect understanding of of uh, another scripture, which we'll take a look at in a moment. All right. But this idea of an unforgivable sin scares people because they believe that what if I've done it? Well, if you're already thinking wondering if you've done it, then you've not done it, all right? So the unforgivable sin here in Matthew 12, Mark 3, Luke 12, is a very specific sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Now, that means uh, here within its context that I just read, it was committed by those who actually saw Jesus perform miracles and attributed his power to the adversary, to the Satan, to Satan, all right? Well, today we can't see Jesus perform miracles like they did as far, as far as the incarnation goes. So some people are going to say that that cannot be committed today. But some have suggested that the sin is any sin that is um, unrepentant of whatsoever. Okay, any sin. But the text here is plain that those sins uh, cannot be the unforgivable sin, um, whether it's, you know, just pick a sin. All right. Um I would say that within that context, it was specifically blasphemy that was the result of seeing Jesus' Jesus's miracles. All right. Now, however, is there application of that? Yes. But people get very, very broad in this. Um, within the charismatic camp, if you attribute any manifestation um, that's happening and going on uh, to being the flesh or being emotional or being demonic. They're saying you're blaspheming the Holy spirit. 
I think that's a bit of a stretch, in my opinion. Um, and I, man, I hear people <laughs> say that stuff too, and it's like, uh, all right, there's a lot of people that are doing that. I think it's a bit of a stretch to do that. I would say blasphemy of the Holy Spirit today would be is is this. Um, he's the one. He's the spirit that's been poured out that's on the earth. He's the one that is um, sending people or directing people and things in our um, our way and trying to draw us in to what? Draw us into the gospel, draw us into reconciliation. He's trying to draw us into forgiveness, uh, salvation, redemption, reconciliation. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit cannot be forgiven if you read um, it is it sorry blasphemy of the Holy Spirit would be that you reject the gospel you reject forgiveness if you reject forgiveness if you reject being reconciled and do not receive it you cannot be forgiven that's what I see the unforgivable sin or blasphemy of the Holy Spirit being now I have to point out a few other things. Um, we got that taken care of. So when people say suicide's the the unforgivable sin, first off, no, that's wrong. Unforgivable sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is rejecting forgiveness. Okay, because you cannot be forgiven if you don't accept it. All right, now, <clears throat> if you are familiar with uh, Roman Catholic Church. You will, you will hear that a suicide is the mortal sin. And then, so that, it, it's a done deal, right? But that, that first and foremost is, is influenced by the arguments of Augustine and Aquinas, Thomas Aquinas. Um, they're the ones, it was never brought up until um, Augustine. And... Augustine gets picked on a lot and it's because he brought a lot of bad stuff into theology and it was uh, in the Catholic Church and then the Reformation continued uh, continued with a lot of their their teachings um, so their beliefs dominated through the Reformation all right but for uh, Luther the devil um, um, to him the devil was cap capable of just oppressing all right not possessing um, uh, but but oppressing a believer to the point of pushing him to commit the sin of suicide. All right. But um, as, as the salvation became better understood, many, uh, many in the Reformation and, and the theologians actually distanced their views from the Church of Rome. Thank goodness. That's why we have the Protestant movement now. Out of that, we have Arminians and Calvinists. All right, but um, we'll get to that in a second. But besides the tr traditional pos position of the Catholic Church, we encounter um, three others that a, a true a true believer would never commit suicide because God wouldn't allow it. Um, a true believer may commit suicide but would lose their salvation, or a true believer may commit suicide without losing his salvation. Okay, so what does the Bible say about this? Well. We know that we're born with the knowledge of good and evil, all right? That means that we have sin. Uh, it doesn't mean that we are totally, completely, 100% as evil as we could be, 
but we could grow into that. But, but what I'm saying is that all everything in us is affected. It's tainted. It's distorted. All right, our our hearts, our minds, our emotions, all that stuff. Now, even after we are redeemed and reconciled and born new, we still have this battle that's going on, and we're trying to renew and transform our minds, okay? So, you guys should know that by now on my stance, all right? So, <clears throat> so we know this unforgivable sin is mentioned. I've gone over that as well. And from those passages, we conclude it refers to rejection of the Holy Spirit in the work of someone's conversion, all right? Others believe it speaks, like I said, attributing to Satan the work of the Spirit, but it's clear that in any case it's referring to an unbeliever because these were the Pharisees that did this. Um, it's important also to remember that a believer is capable of taking the life of somebody else so they can commit murder as well, all right? We know that David kill, had a man killed, <laughs> right uh, he killed the man um and and without this this he david did this in the case of uriah without that action invalidating his salvation and what he had then okay so jesus's sacrifice at the cross has forgiven all of our sin we know this past present future all right colossians 2 13 14 hebrews 10 11 through 18 all right so the sin a christian will commit tomorrow was forgiven at 2000 years ago one committed five years from from now was was forgiven 2000 years ago and so on all the forgiving has been done all right everything where jesus has justified us he's declared us positionally righteous and he accomplished this work through that one single offering all right, that did not need to be repeated again. So on the cross, we know this, and through his resurrection, Jesus didn't um, didn't make us um, um, just justifiable. He made us justified. Okay, so one of the classic then differences, as I, I, I said, is Arminianism and Calvinism, is the concerns of this doctrine of salvation. Um, so, you know, Within those two camps, some contend a true believer would never commit suicide, um, but that lacks biblical support. Okay, so now um, some hold that suicide robs a Christian of their salvation because it doesn't provide an opportunity for repentance. However, that's, I just, you know, if any of us were to die right now, would there be any unconfessed sin in our lives, right? Of course. <laughs> I'm sure there would be, all right? Now, that's how I I was taught and gr grown up. Man, you go to, like, every uh, every Sunday, people go on the altar just, like, getting saved again over and over again, all right? There was a motto, like, this, this phrase, like, I'll ride the altar all the way to heaven if that's what it takes, those of you that are just familiar with ministry time in your church, because, you know, um, those sometimes people are just wanting to come to get refreshed or have prayer for something, you know, in particular in their life. Ministry time and altar calls are different. <laughs> this was always for you to come back up, recommit, repent, and, and all that. So ride the altar all the way to heaven, if that's what it takes, meant like, 
I'm going to pray and pray and pray and repent and repent and repent. Hopefully I get into heaven because you can go down to the altar at the end of Sunday service on Sunday. And on your way home, you could experience some anger or road, road rage and uh, get in a wreck and die. And you, you're going to hell. Yeah, so um sorry, that is just not true. It's ju- you just cannot make the case biblically for that. It's not there. Christ's sacrifice covers all sins, right? So the, the, the sacrifice that covers the sins remaining until death is the same one that would cover a sin like suicide. God's word's clear that um, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Anything else in creation there includes the believer and things present nor things to come refers to situations not yet experienced in our lives. And Jesus himself says no one can snatch us away from the Father. And Paul says that God who, like, um, God began a good work in you will bring it to a completion of the day of Jesus. Now I know I've used that in an episode on out of context. putting these together as cross-references. Think about it. Uh, Nothing can separate us. So, um, what about, though, what about a couple of other texts, all right? Um, Well, Hebrews 6 is one of those things, all right? So, with that whole idea of this unforgivable sin in mind, people go to Hebrews 6, 4 and 6. It says... um, well, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. All right, so... Notice what the text doesn't say. It it does not say it is impossible to forgive a person who has fallen away. All right. This is in contrast to the unforgivable sin. The gospel writers describe that sin, um, describes that sin as an eternal sin for which there was never any forgiveness. All right. The text in Hebrew says that if people fall away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. The difference between forgiveness and repentance is a huge thing, all right? So the message in Hebrews 6 is not that those who fall away have committed sins that God will not forgive. It's that their hearts have, and this is an extreme case, that their hearts have become so hard that they will not repent. So if a person is, is willing to repent, right? Uh, they cannot be one of those who have fallen away according to Hebrews 6. Now, um, what's, the, you know, what, what people, but people use this here, all right? Again, um, they won't be able to repent. However, you've already been forgiven. So <laughs> it, um, I just wanted to tie that in with the unforgivable sin part. And so, uh, any, any person who reads Hebrews 6 
um, and wonders if they are someone um, that that is without hope or have fallen away from God. Um, no, that if you're that person is willing to pre, pre, uh, repent of a sin and obey God, that passage cannot apply to him or her. And these cannot go then to get that verse cannot go with the unforgivable sin or blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's why I brought that up. Now, the other one that people bring up is in First John five sixteen. I have it right here. Um, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one that one should pray for that. Now, people will say uh, the sin that leads to death. Uh, what is sin that leads to death here within this context is idolatry of the false teachers that he addresses in chapter two. Okay. So a misunderstanding of this passage, people will use it for suicide. And this is also uh, where the seven deadly sins uh, comes from is a misunderstanding or misinterpretation of this text. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> it's following the the false uh, or making idolatry out of false teachers too. Okay, so um, I should also note we know that Judas committed suicide, but what about Samson? All right, Samson did it as well, and there's actually um, some others in in the Bible that took their lives. Um, Zimri, Abimelech, and Judges 9. Okay, now we should also remember that Elijah, Moses, and Jonah, they all asked God to take their lives from them. They prayed for it to happen. So where did this, what's this adding up to? Well, we've established a Christian is is capable of committing any sin. So why can't we conceive that one one could could ever commit the, the sin of suicide? All right. Now, is it a sin? Yeah, it's, it is, I think. Um, obviously, it's murder, uh, murdering of oneself. And, um, that, and why is murder wrong? Because you're destroying uh, an image of God. And God loves his uh, creation. Now... But if we believe that Jesus' blood is capable of forgiving any sin, wouldn't his blood cover this one as well? If Jesus' sacrifice has made believers perfect forever, okay, Hebrews 7, uh, 28 and 10, 14, could any sin, any sin whatsoever remove their salvation or, or lead them to eternal death? If people like Moses and Elijah... Jeremiah and Jonah came to the point where they wish God would take their lives. Couldn't a believer with depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, and all of that uh, may be a maybe possibly make that wish a reality? All right. So, and on the basis of Scripture and history and the experience of God's people, as well as the indwelling Spirit and the means of grace within the gospel from God, it's it's likely that suicide 
could be rare for genuine believers. However, genuine believers can still do it. So even though it, it is considered a, the serious offense against God, and if a genuine believer is capable of taking another's life, why is it impossible to conceive that he could take his own life? Okay, so the subject of suicide and then salvation, really, it's not a simple matter. However, biblically informed wisdom and, and, and just understanding forgiveness and salvation and God's grace is essential whenever we encounter something like this that is not ex uh, explicitly addressed in Scripture. Not all things in life are addressed in Scripture. So our chief focus should be on that about which God has said so much of, which is salvation. Not not about what he said little of or nothing of at all, like suicide. So my, my reason here of, for doing this, like I said, first off, Augustine brought it in and there's several examples then of people who had depression and there's suicide in the Bible as well. <clears throat> but a genuine believer cannot is not going to lose their salvation, all right, based on one act of sin or a numerous amount of sins that have already been forgiven. Um, although I do stress self-examination and, and uh, repenting, if one were to forget to repent of something or has several things to repent of, that doesn't mean that they're not forgiven of those things. Did you repent for every single sin that you did in your life when you first repented and came to faith? No. You simply said, I'm a sinner. <laughs> you probably said a sinner's prayer. Forgive me for my sins. And you were forgiven, past, present, and future. A, Christ a Christian that has lived their life for the Lord in Christ seated in heavenly places, justified, redeemed, reconciled to the Father for five years, ten years, however many long years, gets about a depression, anxiety, whatever. I don't know. Um, gets an about of something that leads them in that moment to take their life, I believe, is forgiven and they do not lose their gift of eternal life does that give someone a license now or justify you know them to do this no i'm not saying that i'm, I'm saying for the instances that people i i know people that have lost a loved one to suicide and even years later, sitting in the church service, hearing a pastor talk about someone who commits suicide, being in hell, and going, oh, geez, like, why are you, like, don't you know that that person's sitting over there? Um, some would say that's overly, too overly sensitive, maybe. I don't know. Um. However, I don't think it is because I think that's the a misconception. I think it's a misunderstanding of salvation and that we are secure and no one's going to pry us away from the Father's hands. 
So if a Christian commits suicide, did they go to hell? No, I do not believe they do. Um, you're looking at eternal life versus eternal death. I do not believe they will be eternally dead. I believe they were still in Christ and secure and nothing was ripping them away from the Father's hand. And um, simply that they were forgiven 2,000 years ago. So if you've had someone that you've lost, and I'm willing to bet that most of us, the majority that's listening to this right now, does know somebody, a friend or a family member, that has committed suicide and they were a Christian, if you've been told they committed the unforgivable sin, first off, that's not the unforgivable sin. Secondly, they were eternally secure, positionally and justified and reconciled, placed in Christ, and they are uh, living their eternal life now in the presence of Jesus in paradise. That's what I want you to know. So that's what I think. That's my take. And although I've known very many that have taken their lives and uh, most were not Christians, um, I want to dedicate this episode to Heath and Rodney and Erica, Ryan and Dustin and all the others who are no longer with us and uh, that, that have... I've got some good memories of you guys, and uh, I miss you. All right, there's another episode. If you have any comments, disagreements, uh, questions, send them my way at the Kingdom Project Podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And until next time, be a mustard seed, be 11. Thanks for listening.